what if we just started to see this work and started to call people out for doing it? That is where all of a sudden now people go from being set up to potentially feel invisible and actually get to feel seen. And they get to feel like, man, I matter if I show up here. And I think we all want that in our life and and in our work. So there's a great golden rule here. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And I know how good it feels when I'm recognized for doing work. So I've made it a point to really try to call people out. And uh, I think it's in all of us to do that for other people. Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now here's your host, Matt Lyles. When we tend to think about success in our culture, I think there are a number of messages that have been given to us that say, if you want to be successful, you have to step into the spotlight. You have to climb the ladder. You have to become the boss. You have to be ambitious. You have to hustle. You have to focus on and chase success or else you won't reach it. But what if there's another way? What if there's something different we should focus on, something different we should be chasing. And that's exactly what this week's guest teaches. It's Tim Schurer. Tim's the former chief operating officer of StoryBrand, where he worked alongside New York Times bestselling author Donald Miller to launch and operate two brands, StoryBrand and Business Made Simple. Today, he's the host of the Build a Winning Team podcast, where he interviews top business leaders to bring you actionable advice to help you improve your leadership. And Tim's the author of The Secret Society of Success. It's out this week. In The Secret Society of Success, Tim helps you reevaluate the traditional definition of success, and he helps you learn a new, freer way to go about achieving it and making an impact no matter what your role is. So here it is. Here's my interview with Tim Schurer. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the show. Hey, happy to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. We're here in the same city, although maybe a handful of miles away, but feels like maybe over an hour drive away. But So meeting (laughs) virtually is probably the best solution for us. I love that. Nashville is a great place to be. It is. Oh my goodness. We moved here a little over two years ago and we really, really enjoy it. Yeah, I moved here 2007 and truly just can't think of another place I'd rather be. I grew up in Kansas City and have a ton of fond memories of of that city as well. And then had a two-year stint in Chicago. Yeah. But Nashville definitely feels like home and it's the people that really makes it what it is. Because when I lived in Chicago, people would come visit and you got to show off the city. And not that Nashville is like a chump city. It's not, especially now. I feel like it's just getting better and better. But I always used to tell people to experience the beauty of Nashville, the fullness of it. You need to spend a week or a month here to just get to know the people. And it's a bunch of dreamers, a bunch of people making stuff happen, whether it's wanting to launch a music career or 
start your own business. It's just a lot of people with ideas that are just chasing down big stuff. And that's a really inspiring environment for me. And I've probably become friends with the people that I have because that's it. we kind of operate out of the same ethos. That DNA is aligning a lot of us, which is pretty fun. It really is. And I couldn't figure out why, but like what makes Nashville so special about this? And I think part of it has to do with the fact that a lot of the people that you meet, yes, a lot of them are Nashville natives, but so many of them aren't. And they remember what it was like being in a new city. But Nashville is so helpful. Everyone here loves to help other people. And whenever I meet somebody new, I will always walk away from that meeting with them saying, oh, you know what? I want to connect you with these two other people. And I'm at the point now where I know enough people where I get to connect them with somebody new too. Yeah, you're spot on. That's been my experience as well. And it is the big town, small town feel. It's a major city and yet Nashville very often feels tiny. I mean, I went to go grab a cup of coffee this morning and I expect to see someone I know about everywhere that I go. Yeah. Which just makes it so fun. Yeah, it is. And I think we'll actually cover this later on when we finally get to talking about your book. But it seems like the overwhelming majority of people in Nashville love to help and serve other people. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's what makes the Nashville community so great. Yeah, I definitely agree that when you have an alignment around those kinds of values, I think it makes all the difference and it just becomes easier to be friends with people who just seem to view life and, you know, another way to say it, define success in the same way that you do. And I agree with you for sure. There you go. Well, we've alluded to it a couple of times, you know, all about success. So congratulations. You got <laughs> the secret society of success. This is your first book, right? It is. It is. Very first one. Wow. Okay. So big congratulations to you. That's fantastic. Thanks. It's been such a fun journey. Never really imagined I would be on it, but here we are and I'm enjoying the ride for sure. So I'm curious to know, you know, just just based on your background and your experience, I want to know what prompted you to learn more about the Secret Society of Success and what prompted you to write this book. So I'm sure we are all familiar with the story of Apollo 11. You have Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Right. But what a lot of people don't know is there's actually a third astronaut on that mission and his name was Michael Collins. So you have Michael Collins and he Ubers Neil and Buzz (laughs) to the moon, drops them off on the moon so that those two guys can do their various tasks on the moon's surface, while he has to then orbit the moon something like 26 times until the guys are ready to be picked up and brought back to Earth. And what I think would make this a pretty miserable story would be if Michael Collins gets back and is sitting down with the press and says something like, you know, it sure would have been nice to actually walk on the moon, which would have been a pretty human response. We all would have understood and likely aligned with him and empathized with that feeling and be like, that makes perfect sense. Right. Oh, he didn't get to do it. Exactly. But what's beautiful to me and why I'm so inspired by this story is how Michael Collins actually responded to the press. He said, I'm grateful to have had one of those three seats. You know, he was happy to be part of the mission as a whole. And there's this message in culture today that says to be successful, 
You have to step into the spotlight, climb the ladder. You have to actually walk on the moon to be happy. And, you know, as I've been navigating my life and career over the last 15 years, I just not felt that was true for me. And in fact, there were moments that I was trying to be someone who walked on the moon, tried to be the guy who was famous. And it just left me feeling pretty discontent. And so it's not until I really discovered a new way of living and operating, which is, what if I could actually find contentment playing my role, regardless of where that put me, whether that was you know in the spotlight or not? And another way to say it is, what if I were to live my life a little bit more like the way that Michael Collins did, which was that contentment playing a role? And so I've been on this journey for the last 10, 15 years, really being inspired by people who've shown me a new way to define success that doesn't necessarily look like money, fame, and power. Like, what if success can be redefined? And what if there's other ways that we can find success in our lives and careers that isn't this stuff that we're constantly being bombarded with by kind of what culture is trying to tell us? And that's just so counter intuitive. Like you said, I mean, you know, our culture is telling us this is what success looks like. And that image seems to be growing and turning, I don't know, maybe even more toxic as time evolves. You've got to have an audience. You've got to have this many followers. And in order to do that, you've got to have these things and these things, and you got to keep growing that and growing that further. Yeah, it just feels like the message we hear is more, more, more. Whatever you have is not enough. I don't even care how much of it that you do have. Whatever that is, there's another level. There's another aspiration. And I just think that it's leaving a lot of us feeling just pretty tired and exhausted. I mean, I know that that's how it's felt for me. There's just always this sense of someone else out there is doing a better job than you are, or they have that thing that you should want as well. And that kind of always chasing next is a pretty exhausting place to be in for sure. Well, so how do we not become so exhausted? Is that focusing on contentment? I think it's really, first of all, just being aware to what's happening because some of it is just so subtle and subconscious. I said, hey, there's this cultural narrative that says, this is what we should all be chasing. But it's not necessarily that that's being spoken on the nose in commercials or, you know, whatever, but it's just this subconscious feeling, the advertisements that we're seeing, commercialism. If you're going to sell a product in today's market, you really do have to sell it and be thinking through the customer's perspective, which is customers are asking, what's in it for me? You know, wh- why yeah. would I buy this product? I, as a consumer, am wanting to you know, see how that's going to make my life a little bit better, a little bit easier. And so here we are just bombarded by all of these messages. And until we're aware enough to realize what's happening, I just don't think we realize that that what's in it for me mindset is something that actually is going to kill this sense of meaning and contentment and fulfillment that we can have in our lives because we're always looking for what's wrong with it rather than what's right with it. And uh, there was a particular moment that this really kind of stood out in uh, plain sight for me. There's a neighborhood just down the street from my house that has 
It's my favorite neighborhood. The houses are beautiful. And, you know, I, whenever I have people come visit me in town, I'll uh, take them on a tour of this neighborhood, kind of with the same fervor that I do the Ryman Auditorium, Grand Ole Opry, all these other natural landmarks, just because this neighborhood is just so beautiful. So, you know, I just started one day daydreaming about what my life could look like as the owner of one of these houses. And I actually downloaded Zillow and a couple other of those house searching apps. And just for fun, I started seeing, okay, are there any houses in this neighborhood for sale? And, you know, come to find out the cheapest house you can buy in this neighborhood is a million dollars. Most of them though are like two and three plus million dollar mansions. And so I was just having some fun. I'd go refresh my search every day or two and look at pictures of the houses. And I just started envision what, you know, I was now considering my 10 year goal. And what was interesting is as I was in this experience, I just found myself quite unhappy with the life that I was actually living. I now no longer made enough money because I wasn't making enough money to buy one of you know the houses in my favorite neighborhood. Um, my car wasn't nice enough. My kids were not going to the best schools. And you know what's interesting is I felt trapped to what I call the spotlight mindset, which is this yeah. unhealthy desire for attention and recognition. And the spotlight mindset can play itself the spotlight mindset can play out in so many different ways. Comparison is one of those traps. Comparison is that thing that's looking at others and just saying, man, if only I had X, if only I was like this person, then I would you know, find contentment and happiness and all these things. So here I am on this you know, million dollar house search and finding myself quite unhappy with the life that I have. And you know, I don't know exactly what happened, but on this journey, I actually had like a it's almost like somebody had given me this, you know, smelling salts and I just woke up to the reality of what was, which is, oh my goodness, you are so discontent. And what was happening was this vision of my 10-year dream started to make me actually really unhappy with the current life that I have, which actually, when I think about it, is quite amazing. I have a loving wife and I have two amazing kids. I have amazing friends. I love my house, actually. My car's just fine. Yeah. But what's so interesting is it was not necessarily the house that was the problem at all, because the million dollar house is not the problem. The problem, and what I learned through this moment of self reflection was the problem was my intention for wanting that million dollar house. Because what I really learned was what I wanted people to see is that if I was the owner of one of these houses, that I then would be viewed as successful. No matter if people knew what I did or not, they would see me as the owner of one of these houses and think, oh, that guy's got some stuff figured out. So what I learned was it was just insecurity in disguise. And thank goodness I didn't have the money to buy one of those houses or I may never have learned that lesson. So the spotlight mindset will catch us in moments of weakness. The spotlight mindset will have us thinking what's in it for me. And the spotlight mindset just really leads us to a a really unhealthy place if we let it. But it's the self-awareness of realizing what's even happening that allows us to catch ourselves in those moments and start to live in a different way. And that different way is what I call, you know, living in the way of the secret society, because there's these people who I've been really inspired by as I've been putting together this book that have just shown me a new way to live and, and a new way to define success that's counter from all this other stuff that we're being bombarded by in uh, the consumerism world that that we're living and operating in. And so 
I'm learning what it looks like to define success a little bit differently from the fame, the money, the power, and starting to live in a new way because of the example that's been laid out in front of me by uh, members of the secret society. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, hearing you talk about that, at that point, it sounded like that million-dollar home, which was the entry level in that neighborhood, so maybe the, the million or $2 million home sounded like a goal, whereas to maybe some other people, that may end up being a byproduct of any other success that they may have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the people that I know that are really successful by all kind of definitions, that a lot of us would, you know, say, okay, if they have money, fame, power, like that is success. I, I know some people who have that, but what's really inspiring to me about some of those people is it really was a byproduct of them actually going about things the right way. They got there, not by trying to get there. They got there as a byproduct of just kind of doing their thing and it's brought success. But the inspiring stories to me are the people who are really humble, who aren't clamoring for attention. They're actually just doing their thing and you know, the results take care of themselves. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, how is it now that I can live? Because I want to be more like that, not the guy who's raising my hand to try to get recognized a little bit more, or wants to be seen as successful by everybody else. So, and it's those people that are able to overcome that challenge, solve that challenge of what you call the spotlight mindset. What do they do to overcome that challenge? So in 2020, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA Finals. And they give a trophy out to the team that wins the, the NBA Finals. And they also give a trophy out to the NBA scoring leader, the player in the NBA who had the highest points per game average. So to be the scoring leader is actually a pretty big deal. Michael Jordan yeah. won that title, a record setting 10 times. So LeBron James is also one of the greatest basketball players of all time, has all the talent, all the skill to win an award like that. But what's interesting to me is in 2020, LeBron wasn't the scoring leader. He didn't win the scoring title. In fact, he wasn't even in the top five. But what's inspiring to me is in 2020, LeBron James led the league in assists, meaning the way that he chose to play and ultimately how he and his team won was that he didn't take over games and just try to score a bunch of points. He actually was a guy who was all about the assist. He set up his teammates and wanted to help other people win. And as a byproduct, he got to be a part of a winning team. So how do we get out of this spotlight mindset? We actually having to make those decisions often, regularly. There's going to be a decision that you as a listener are up against this week and you have the choice. Are you going to operate from a what's in it for me? Like, let's make this about me kind of way. Or are you going to actually choose to be somebody who is all about the cis, somebody who's maybe more concerned with what they're doing to help someone else than doing something that would only serve them? So how do we do this? We do this one step at a time, one decision at a time. And you know what I've found is, it's not one day that we wake up and all of a sudden we'll just solve this problem, if you will, of the spotlight mindset. You don't wake up one day and be like, you know, I nailed it. I don't struggle with this stuff at all. Comparison? No problem. That's not a thing for me. That's not the reality. The reality is that this is not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. So we are going to, for the rest of our lives, live in this tension between the spotlight mindset, which is like our default. It is a default behavior to think of ourselves. It's a survival mechanism. 
But I just feel like we have the capacity and the ability to live in a different way and to actually be more selfless than self-serving. And so this is the tension that we live in between the spotlight mindset and, you know, the other side, which I would say is living in the way of the secret society, you know, to be somebody who is all about this, to be somebody who is interested in helping other people win. I'm so glad to hear you say that it's not something that you just solve one time. Wouldn't it be great though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you just flip a switch. There you go. Now we're done. Let's move on. Because I think about myself and sometimes like I will fall into the spotlight mindset more frequently than I should, but it helps understanding, oh, you know what? Not just something that Matt Lyles is struggling with and it's a tension that has to be managed going forward. Yeah, it it absolutely is. And, you know, there are, you know, I would call just kind of traps of the spotlight that and and ways that this shows up in bias. And, I'll, you know, I'll kind of list out a few of yeah. these just so people can find what, what are we talking about here? How I know if I'm caught in a, you know, spotlight mindset. So a few of these here, we already talked about compare. You know, here's another one, striving. You struggle to find that contentment in your life. Are you kind of always on this restless pursuit? Um, damaged relationships. Does money, fame, status, does that trump all these other things? And perhaps are your your relationships suffering? Um, There's another one, seeking validation. Mm -hmm. Are you unsatisfied until someone else acknowledges or approves? Um, Here's another big one, I think, for a lot of people, seeking influence. Do Do you believe that you need a bigger stage, a bigger platform to have a life of significance? You know, there's just, but, you know, there's, there's others. But I think there's different stages and different seasons and different situations that, you know, all of these have probably, you know, for for most of us, I know it's been true for me. So we're constantly, we're humans, right? Like we're human beings that are trying to do best that we we possibly can. And the reality is we just kind of find ourselves caught and trapped in some of this stuff. And so these are the moments that we need that self-awareness, that ability to see what we're actually caught up in. But then we need tools and paradigm shifts to help us evolve into a new way of thinking and, and operating. The, the difference here, and I think this is a really important point, is not a whole lot needs to change in terms of where we fall on the org chart or anything like that. What needs to change is you know, our mindset and how we choose you know, our life and our work. And so it'd be really easy for, for people to hear this and think, all right, you know, therefore the spotlight is bad and everyone that is the CEO of a company an enemy. And it's like, no, 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 hang on. Wait Not quite. Um, so let, let's actually talk about this for a second. So if you go to a concert, yeah, right? We need the person on the center of the stage for the whole thing to work. I love concerts. I love music. I love going to shows. I do too. We need the person standing center stage for the whole thing to work. That is not the problem. But we also need the person taking the tickets. We need the person at concessions. We need the usher to show you where your seat is. We need the person running the lights and we need the person running sound. We need the backing guitarist. And the problem happens when all of us are trying to become the person in the center of the stage when maybe we were actually meant to be in one of these other roles, right? Yeah. Going back to what we talked about earlier, do you need to walk on the moon? Do you have to be standing center stage to be happy? Because I've just met so many people 
who are like, that actually sounds miserable. I don't want to do that. I, I love running sound. So why are we just pushing so many people into this mindset of, no, 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 that's not successful. Running sound is not success. You actually need to do this to be successful. And I think for a lot of us, and what I'm hoping in this book is that it just allows us to see that every role matters. Each of us doing our part makes the whole thing work. And so to just bring a whole lot of validation and almost a sense of meaning and fulfillment to these roles that you know may often go overlooked or unrecognized. So for me, I've just found that in my life and career, I'm inspired to be a part of the team. And it doesn't really matter where you're at on the org chart. And in fact, every role matters. And the mindset that you operate from is the most important part, not your title. Yeah, being able to take that role and own the role. And you were talking about the main musician that's on center stage. And I was thinking, so is it success for someone to make sure that the person that's on stage is looking good? And I don't think that's it either. I think it's every single person, whether they're the lead singer, whether they're you know backing vocals or, or backing guitar, whether they're the ticket takers, they're all focusing on ensuring that it's a great show. Yes. Everyone doing their part with excellence. That's the journey, right? Yeah. So I think if each of us show up and try to do our part well, that's what makes the whole thing work. Did you know that in addition to my podcast and my articles, I speak to audiences all over to help them simplify their customer experience and simplify their employee experience. I've spent the last few years leading a crusade of simplicity across the globe. If you want a winning brand, you have to provide a simple experience to your customers and to your team members. Whether it's a live event or a virtual event, I'd love to partner with you and teach your audience how to do just that. With over a decade in marketing, I know how to hook and captivate an audience. And as a speaker, I know how to connect with that audience. Along with my lessons, I use stories and humor to keep everyone engaged and inspired. Then they leave with the knowledge and next steps to transform their business. As an event planner, you're managing lots of details to give your audience the most memorable event. The last thing you need is a speaker who will make your event memorable for all the wrong reasons. Not only will I leave your audience energized and inspired, I'll make it easy for your team to work with me. Hey, if I've built my brand around simplicity, then you know I'm going to make it simple for you. When you visit mattliles.com speaking, you'll find everything you need to know, including details on my topics, promotional materials, and most importantly, a link to connect with my team so we can book your event. So visit mattliles.com speaking. I can't wait to help your audience brand out from the crowd. I spent almost a decade working alongside Donald Miller. And, you know, when the company first started, it was, you know, myself and Don, and pretty quickly we hired a guy named Kyle Reed. And so for quite a while, it was the three of us, you know, running this business. And what I thought was so cool is we all have strengths and liabilities. And in fact, if you're, you know, starting a business, you're often hiring because of your liabilities. And isn't that beautiful that when you have a liability, it's somebody else's strength right. and that when you partner together with these people, that it actually creates a cohesive unit. 
And so as I think about me and Don and Kyle early on in the business, if each of us tried to be the other, the whole thing breaks down. But what made it work was that we were each trying to be the best version of ourselves. We were each trying to play our role with excellence. So we needed Don to you know, be what he was, an incredible communicator and incredible content creator. He's writing books that you know, made the whole thing possible. But then you also needed me being behind the scenes, helping manage all of these different projects and you know, making sure that we were executing everything that we had set out to do with excellence. And it looked like Kyle making sure that everything that was designed, whether that was the web or something on our website or a workbook for an event, Kyle was really making sure that the design and the technology piece of it really functioned well. So it's when we're all able to do our parts with excellence, that is when some really beautiful things can happen. And it breaks down when we're all trying to be somebody or something that we are not. Right. Or when we all try and strive to be that thing that's in the spotlight, that's in that, maybe that top role. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of this talks about trying to better understand our role, understand our life's purpose. And I think a lot of times when we're trying to understand that, we will ask ourselves questions like, well, why am I here? Yeah. What should I do with my life? How do I impact more and more people? But you say that Andy Stanley actually helped you realize that we're much better off when we ask ourselves different questions. Yes. So what are the questions we should be asking? Yeah. So, you know, it's 2017, I'm at this conference and I hear Andy Stanley speak and the conference all about how do you find your purpose? And like you'd said, it's, we're being bombarded by this, what's in it for me? You know, why am I here? All about me types of questions, which it feels like a pretty good and basic question. But Andy talked about how these are bad questions because at the end of the day, it really ends up being all about us. So the question we should ask instead, he says is, who am I here for? And that question, who am I here for, allows you to still show up and do your thing to play your role, but it allows you to actually operate from a position and a posture of how can what I do be of service to others? Andy says, everyone wants to be the end. No one is willing to be the means to the end. Everyone just wants to be the end. But I think a what's in it for me mentality, that kind of thing keeps us in that self-serving part. But the who am I here for puts us into that others-focused mentality. And so I wanted to keep this top of mind. And so what I did is I created an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And in my office, I actually put up at the top of the sheet of paper, who am I here for? And I put a picture of each one of our team members and their families on this little poster. And so you know how it can be on any given day, you're running a business or you're working and you just feel so busy and consumed with all of the things and all the tasks and all the responsibilities that each of us have when we show up at work. And there's days that we just want to beeline it to our desk and just get into it. Then it was really in those moments in particular that I'd just try to step into a new habit and a new approach to get me into a better headspace. And it's on those moments when I'd be walking into the office, I'd sit down at my desk, I'd look at this poster and I'd just ask, all right, Tim, who are we showing up for today? And that to me just felt like that was a whole lot more fulfilling to do work for working alongside all of these people that is contributing to a larger mission and a larger whole. 
So those moments, that ability to define success, not from a what's in it for me kind of mentality, but you know, Andy Stanley, as a member of the Secret Society, showed me that for us to find success, we actually can ask, who am I here for? And that'll set us on a different and a better path. And I think it helps having that constant reminder as well, especially as, you know, we can all tend to get really busy in our lives. And a lot of times, you know, if we're coming into work, probably some of the first questions on our mind is, okay, who needs to be delivering things to me today? Like, what do I need from other people? I know other people Mm -hmm. have deliverables that are due. Who am I waiting on? Whereas instead, if you have that visual reminder laid out that you can start your day with, who am I here for? That can help set your mindset for the rest of the day. Yeah. I don't think I caught this in your book when I was reading it because I thought it was really great to be able to focus on your team. But what you just described a moment ago was that you said that you have pictures of team members with their family members. Yeah. And to me, that shows that there's the downstream effect. When you think of, okay, who am I here for? Okay, this person. But who am I really here for? Oh, this person and the people that also rely on them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to think that what we do at work is just isolated to work is ridiculous. Like we are a single human being, very influenced by what we spend our time doing. And so I wanted people every day to feel recognized and valued and appreciated for what they brought and to do our work in as fun and joy-filled environment as you know we possibly could. Because I know that if we're showing up at our best, if we're doing work that we love and that we're passionate about, and uh, people are feeling like a part of the team and that they're a part of helping create all it is that we get to be a part of, I I just feel like they're going to also go home and show up a a little bit better for their families, hopefully. You know, maybe then when they go home, they are also operating from a who am I here for mentality. And they're showing up at home thinking about their spouse and their kids and asking all right, how can I show up and be my best for you all when I get home or even before they get to work? So yeah, we definitely focused on the whole being because yeah, to try to isolate that is just, that's just not reality for most people. Oh yeah, it's not. I think that it would make it much harder for these people to come home and to be able to very easily ask themselves, who am I here for? And focus on their families if they're not already getting that in their workplace environment. So if their leadership and their peers and their coworkers are all asking what's in it for me, there's an effect to that person and it can beat them down. It can tire them out and make them less likely, less able to focus on who they're supposed to be here for. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's where we can all inspire one another to just be the best version of ourselves. And so you become like the people that you surround yourself with. And I feel like if we are people who are kind and loving and encouraging and asking questions of ourselves, like, who am I here for? That kind of thing is pretty attractive. And I think that is a way that we all start to be better as a unit. And so on the days when I'm super busy and was challenged and maybe didn't want to operate from a who am I here for approach, I've got a guy like Kyle or got a guy like Don who's actually going to pull me back into a, a healthier mindset. And I think 
We need one another to help when we're in our unhealthy moments. And so that's what community is all about. That's why life connected to one another is so special. It's because of that ability to help each other out, especially when we're not in the best headspace. Yeah. And you're right. It does help to have that community because most everything is contagious and we feed off of other people's energy, other people's interactions, and it can either help build people up or tear people down. Now, one of the things that you talked about a moment ago was everybody wants to feel valued. Everybody wants to feel recognized. In the book, you even talk about this. You talk about this need for recognition. But as it relates to those who are successful, how should they use recognition in order to boost success? So what's so interesting, we had a a guy on our podcast, Dan Heath, and he was on our podcast and he talked about this study where they asked managers, do you frequently recognize your direct reports for the work they've done and honor them for that work? And 80% of them said, yeah, I do that. But then they actually asked the direct reports, do your managers frequently recognize you for the work that you've done? Only 20% of them said yes. So that that gap, you know, Dan Heath calls the recognition gap. And so I think that there's so many people who just don't feel seen and valued in, in their workplaces. And, you know, it was something that we just never wanted to have happen. As a leader, it can be so easy to be so focused on our own stuff that to open our eyes and actually see the work that's going on behind the scenes can, you know, be a challenge. But, you know, the reality is we all need more recognition. And it's not just the people who are in supporting roles. I actually feel like, leaders need recognition as well. Because what what happens is it's so easy for the work that we do to just go unnoticed or people just don't really understand all that we're doing on a day-to-day basis. And then that ultimately leads to a lack of recognition because how can people recognize you for something that they don't even know that you did? Right. But then what happens is people aren't recognized. They then don't feel valued. So it's kind of this endless cycle And if you think about that concert example, I'm at this show. Here we have a guy who's running the spotlight. And the lead singer was standing center stage playing a guitar. And on the next song, he jumped back uh, a little bit further on the stage to a piano. And so the guy running the spotlight at this particular show lost the lead singer for a second. And so if you were looking at the stage, you'd have just seen the spotlight kind of doing figure eights. Clearly, the guy was lost. Trying to find him. Yeah, exactly. Trying to find him. The lead singer's like, kind of joked, like, got to stay with me, bro. And you know, the whole audience laughed. Everyone was having fun. And I just thought, isn't that interesting that if the guy running the spotlight would have been doing his job well, he actually becomes invisible. No one's actually even thinking about him. But as a result of him making a single mistake, now he has the attention of every single person in that auditorium. And so the reality is, hey, guys, most of the work that we do will go unnoticed. And that is just the reality. You partner that together with the fact that most of us aren't thinking of one another that often. We're so self-focused that we often don't see all the work that's going on until we have more self-awareness and are intentional about seeing the work that's going on behind the scenes. Like I'd said, it's not only people in behind the scenes roles that need to be seen and recognized. Also, it's leaders. I mean, how many leaders do you know that are up at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, just stressing about the business and revenue being down and payrolls coming up. And that is a very lonely position. 
But wouldn't it be great if we as team members actually call out our leaders and be like, look, I can imagine how difficult this season is. I know that sales aren't what we need it to be. And I know that there's payroll that happens two times. I can only imagine the amount of stress and the toll that takes. But I just want you to know, I see you. And I'm going to do everything that I can to get this thing back on track. But you're a great leader. And the fact that you care about us and are wanting to make sure that we're all getting paid every paycheck, that means so much to me and my family. So thank you. Like, imagine if we were to recognize our leaders in that way, right? Wow. Yeah. But you also think about people behind the scenes and like, what if we actually called out, hey, nobody else probably saw this, but the fact that you just coordinated eight people's calendars to find a meeting for one hour for all of us, yeah, that's pretty remarkable. And I just want you to know this meeting doesn't happen without the work that you did behind the scenes doing scheduling, which is a superpower that you have, right? What if we just started to see this work and started to call people out for doing it? That is where all of a sudden now people go from being set up to potentially feel invisible and actually get to feel seen. And they get to feel like, man, I matter if I show up here. And I think we all want that in our life and, and in our work. So there's a great golden rule here. It's like do unto others as you have them do unto you. And, and I just feel like I know how good it feels when I'm recognized for doing work. And uh, so I've made it a point to really try to call people out. And uh, I think it's in all of us to do that for other people. Yeah, there you go. And I'm curious, like if it can be done, like maybe just sometimes go through an exercise and just think of certain people on your team, certain people in your organization say, hey, so what if this person wasn't here? Are there things that wouldn't happen? Are there things that wouldn't get done? And be like, oh, yeah, here's what this person does. If they weren't here, we wouldn't have all these things happen so seamlessly. So absolutely, they deserve recognition. Yeah. And there's just so many thankless jobs out there. It's wild to me when you you know, see people looking down on, you know, someone like a cleaning crew who might come into your office and, you know, clean up. The fact that we just don't have the utmost respect for people, regardless of their role is crazy because each of us doing our part is what makes the whole thing work. If that person doesn't show up and keep your office clean, you're not set up for success to do your work in a clean, undistracted, like imagine if you just had trash and everything all over the place, but no, no, no. These people are so selfless. And they are contributing to the ultimate mission by doing and playing their part. So every role matters. And we need to see that and start to call that out wherever we are. And, and regardless of where we find ourselves on the org chart. Oh, definitely. And next time I'm at the Ryman, I hope I can remember this because now, and usually like half the shows, I'm usually seeing from the balcony where you can just walk right past the sound booth and the light guys. And I'll wait until the show is fully over to do this. I'm hopeful that I can remember to walk by and say, hey, you know what? Great job with the sound tonight. Great job yep. with the lights tonight. Yeah. And it's so easy to take for granted. And yeah. what I think is so interesting is what I think is interesting is how often we all do this where you have a great time at a concert and you just walk to your car and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what if we had our antenna up a little more often today than we did yesterday? What if we actually looked at the person who made that cup of coffee for us at Starbucks and said, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You are so good at this. You know, like you fueled me up for my day. 
Yeah, and I just think we take so much of that for granted, but we just all want to be seen. And there's uh, this amazing quote I love that, you know, that Oprah talks about, you know, she says, we all want to be seen. We all want to know that we matter. And the most you can ever do for somebody is to show up and allow them to know that they have been seen and heard by you. And I just love that if we all could be people who would call out, you know, one another for doing great work. Yeah, that's it. And I think it starts with taking that mindset away from ourselves, not thinking so much about, hey, what's in it for me all the time? And that allows you to more easily have your antenna up and then recognize all the other people out there that are making things happen that will help you in your day that deserve your recognition. Absolutely. No, I I couldn't agree anymore. All right. So one of the ways you talk about the secret society of success is in problem solving. And it sounds like most people's method is looking for others to help solve their problem. Going back to, hey, what's in it for me? But maybe we need to flip that and look for ways to solve others' problems. Can you talk to me about that? So my friend, Al Andrews, a counselor, he had a a private practice. And he started to, to find a trend in the people that he was seeing come into his office. And over time, he just started realizing, I'm, I'm actually talking to a lot of musicians and these people are actually up against some pretty similar challenges. And so he actually had a friend recommend that he meet with somebody who was a head of a, a record label. And Al, in this meeting, says to this guy, Peter, he says, Peter, you as a record label executive, you're responsible for so many artists' careers. And as a record label, y'all invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into these people's careers. And yet you invest no money when it comes to their souls. And so what was pretty cool about this particular meeting is Peter had recently been challenged to go and solve this exact problem that Al was talking about. So they created this little beta test. And what they did was they said, hey, Al, what if you actually carved out a day in your counseling practice and you actually let us send musicians to you. And, you know, we as a group of record labels, this was done in, you know, partnership with some other record labels. What if we were the people who funded and footed the bill for that? So now all of a sudden you have these musicians who have a safe place to go. They could actually start to heal from some of the, you know, challenges and and learn from some of what they were up against and this unique kind of experience as a musician, somebody who's standing on a stage with a lot of people looking at them. What was interesting is now here we are several years later, and what was a uh, little beta test has turned into a full-blown nonprofit. Al actually converted his entire practice into serving musicians. So the requirement to actually meet with Al and his team is that you're actually a musician. You're the person on the cover of a record. And now, because of the nonprofit that they've started, it's completely free to the artists who show up. And so you have a guy like Al who's running this successful practice, but what he started to do and ask was, who am I here for? How can I show up and be thinking more about how I can help these artists, these musicians? How can I help them solve their problems? And it's been really cool to see the impact that has made. And I've been to this benefit event several times where, you know, at the end of the year, they'll do a big fundraising thing for Porter's Call, which is what Al's nonprofit is. And Porter's Call now will have so many of these musicians who have 
kind of raised their hand and have you know, wanted to talk about the journey that they've been on with Al and Porter's Call over the years and how it's helped to transform their lives and, and their careers. And so you've got a guy like Al who it'd be so easy to only be thinking about growing his business and you know making more and more money and as a counselor, but he actually has converted the whole thing into a nonprofit and is more concerned with you know helping other people. So I feel like this you know, what problem can I solve for somebody else is, is set Al on a pretty amazing and remarkable path. And, and it's one that I really hope to model for myself for sure. And this is what it looks like to live in the way of the secret society. Yeah. So looking for other people's problems and thinking through, oh, okay, how can I help solve that? Instead of going back to that, what's in it for me? Okay. How can I grow my business? You know, how can I get more clients? It's looking, saying, hey, you know what? I'm noticing there's a trend here. I'm noticing that there's a normal growing problem among this group of people. And I think I can help them. Yeah. Here's, let, let me try that out. Yeah. It's just so inspiring. And people who operate and live that way, they're just unique. And it's just so cool when we come across people like that. But I just feel like that is in all of us. But it just takes intentionality and it takes a decision to not be sold this what's in it for me mindset, but actually to start defining success a little bit differently, to help others win, to focus on the assist, yeah, recognize others for the work that they're doing, serve other people. I, I just think this is what it's actually all about. Yeah, it really is. And this goes back to what we were talking about at the very start, just around the Nashville community. I'm sure that there are certainly faults within Nashville and the Nashville community, but that's just one of the things that I really love here is that so many people tend to focus on others, assisting others, helping others, serving others, instead of saying, what's in it for me? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we were talking about musicians a moment ago, and so I want to tie it back to this last question for you. If you were to create a five-song soundtrack for the Secret Society of Success, what songs would you include? All right, here we go. There's a song called Humble Operations by Steve Mokler, who's a good buddy of mine. And it really just talks about the value of behind-the-scenes roles. I love yeah. it. So good. Here's another one, Where or When by the, the Benny Goodman Trio. So if you look it up on Spotify, it's the 1996 remastered version. I just love to step into life with, you know, some joy. And, you know, I have this on a playlist. It's like a jazz mornings playlist that yeah. I listen to quite regularly. So that's one of my favorite songs. There's a, a song called Less by Nils Fromm. I think it's an instrumental song, but, you know, the title Less, I just think is so helpful for the culture that we live in, which is, you know, rather than this chase for more, 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 it's like, what if it's less? There's a song called Jericho by my buddy, Andrew Rip. And I actually tell part of Andrew's story in this book. Chapter two is, is about some of his story. And it actually talks about the transformation that he went on to you know, kind of avoid the spotlight mindset and to step into a new way of defining success. And spoiler alert, <laughs> he ends up walking away from music and then comes back in with a new approach and a new mindset. And um, ends up releasing the song Jericho, who, which becomes uh, the number one song on the radio, which is wild. And then uh, I'm going one more Steve Mokler song here at the end. There's a, a song called Rather Make a Living. 
the chorus says, I'd rather make a living being myself than a killing being someone else. And to me, that is uh, the definition of redefining success. That's it. Yeah. And redefining it to make it personal for you. Like, here's what success is for me, not what the world says it has to be. Absolutely. And I'd love to leave you with this one quote, if you'll let me. This is really the North Star for me as I've learned to live in the way of the secret society. And Albert Schweitzer said, I don't know what your destiny will be. Some of you will perhaps occupy remarkable positions. Perhaps some of you will become famous by your pens or as artists. But I know one thing, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. And to me, that's it. That's where I want to head. And that is the way of the secret society. And that's the way that I'm, I'm wanting to, to live the rest of my life for sure. That's it. Wow. Love that. And it actually reminds me of, I think, John Lennon quote. I don't know how true this is. But like when he was in early grade school, his class was given an assignment. It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be happy. And the teacher says, I don't think you understand the question. He says, I don't think you understand. <laughs> That's it. We're, we're happiest when we serve. I love that. Well, Tim, we've gotten so much from here today and learned so much, but where can people go to learn more? Secretsocietybook.com is uh, that'll take you to you know, learn more about the book. And that's really it. That's the spot. I, I think for me, what I'm most inspired by in this season of my life, and I feel like I'm going to be on this journey for a really long time, is helping people to redefine what success can look like and point them in a different path and hoping that, that people will be inspired by the secret society and that they too will want to become members of, of this group. So pick up the book. would love to have you learn more about this approach and uh, love to have you part of the Secret Society. There you go. It's certainly helped me in reading it. And I hope that I can be a card carrying member of the society. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's going to help a lot of others. Tim, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Tim Schurer. So go and learn more from him at secretsocietybook.com. You'll find resources and bonuses to help you reevaluate your definition of success and learn a new, freer way to go about achieving it. And hey, if you're enjoying the Simple Brand Podcast, go ahead, hit the subscribe button. It's going to make it so much simpler for you to get future episodes like the next one featuring Sarah Frasca. Sarah is a keynote speaker, a global business coach, and an innovation expert. She helps leading organizations cultivate human imagination, build a culture of innovation, and solve complex problems in creative ways, all while helping teams recognize their ability to help all of their employees develop and strengthen their creative muscles. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll automatically get Sarah's episode as soon as it's live. Until then... Keep it simple. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.